It's time for the Engaged Club, the podcast for club managers and operators that strive to create loyal and connected members, guests, and customers. Here are the two guys with the club management and digital marketing advice you need to realize your club's potential, Jim Hope and Roger Kincaid. Welcome to another episode of the Engaged Club podcast. This is supported by the Canadian Society of Club Managers. I'm Roger Kincaid. You know me from previous Engaged Club episodes, and you can check out uh, Off Course Golf, the company of which I am the marketing and sales director at offcourse.golf. Hello, Roger. I am Jim Hope, and I am the GM of the Derrick Golf and Winter Club in sunny but cold Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Currently residing in Palm Desert, where it is 79 degrees in the deck where we are recording this. Yeah, this is a first for us. This is the first time we've ever brought our podcast south of the border. We mentioned it a couple episodes back, Jim, that we're going to be spending some time playing some golf, relaxing a little bit down here in California. So we are in Palm Desert as we record this episode and and, uh, probably several of the next episodes that you're going to hear from us. I look forward to it. What are we doing today, buddy? I know you've got some uh, some sort of game changing um, way of, of of getting to know your staff, and also uh, you know setting up some expectations when you bring new people onto your team. Yeah, I've uh, uh, as you know, we, we call it patches on the backpack, but you know I've got a few patches on my backpack from being at different clubs, and um, one of the things that I learned in in changing clubs was the importance of getting to know your team as quickly as you can and sitting down with each of them on an individual basis, just having lunch with everybody and, or a person and, and talking to them about, you know, asking them five simple questions about the club. And I learned this uh, sort of the hard way when I went to my seconds gym job, I was there for about two months and the president of the club came walking into my office one day about four o'clock in the afternoon and said, uh, do you got a minute? And I said, yeah, sure. Absolutely. I do. He said, well, why don't you come down to the boardroom with me? And I said, yeah, okay. So, so I walked down to the boardroom. I see three other directors sitting in the boardroom and I go, yeah, I'm not sure how this is going to work out for me. And I was you know, wondering if I had, uh, if the mortgage has gone through in the house or if there's a way I can get out of it. And has the movie man still got the furniture on it or do I have it all unpacked? And, and, uh, you know, I kind of looked a little perplexed and, and, and said, Hey, what's up guys? And he said, you know, um, we've just had a couple of staff come and talk to us and, they, they feel a little left out in that, uh, you know, you didn't spend much time with them when you first started. You made some assumptions about what they did, but you never really spent any time finding out what they actually did at the club. And, um, I, I they, th- and so this is my exec committee and they said, you know, we think it would be really val- valuable for you to sit down with your team and ask them, you know, what it is they do and, and what it is they value about the club and, and what things you can do to help them do their job better. And I uh, said, I'd be uh, more than happy to do that. Mm-hmm. And I went upstairs and arranged lunch with about six different people. So the lesson I learned from that was don't wait for your executive to call you to the boardroom <laughs> to tell you that you need to get, you know, your team, maybe do that when you first start. So when I started at the Derrick, uh, I had uh, lunch uh, for the first two weeks with different people of the team. And I asked them, um, you know, five uh, uh, different questions. And it was interesting, the answers that I got, some of them were, some of the answers were very similar, which was, you know, some weaknesses that they saw at the club and some things that we could do better. Um, and uh, I also got some really diverse answers from all of them, which was really uh, very independent of the positions that they held at the club and, and um, uh, you know, what mattered to them the most and what they did. But one of the things I asked them was, I said, what do you love about the Derek? Like, why do you want to come into work every day? Because there's, you know, the the economy was such that they could probably get jobs elsewhere, but they came to work at the club. And so that said, that 
and I, I wrote all this down and what it said to me was, um, you know, there was a, a very diverse group of things that they, they had amongst the different individuals as to what they, was important to them, mm-hmm. um, for job satisfaction. Right. And that was really, uh, enlightening for me to understand what it was that was important to them. And it was, it was, as I said, a diverse group of answers based on where they were maybe in their life, where they were from a family wise, um, where they were, what they needed from a challenge from a career or what they wanted from stability because they may have been at the end of their career and they mm-hmm. just wanted to be able to, you know, the last few years to be enjoyable for them without a lot of disruption. Right. So it allowed me to understand my people a little differently and how I needed to lead them in what uh, challenges I might have with them with any changes that we were going to bring forward to the club. Um, I asked them what we can do better. And that wasn't what just they, like holistically as a club or as a uh, managing the managers, like uh, managing the managers, right? Okay. Um, but when I asked them the question about what we could do better was what can we do better as a club? And even though you might be in accounts payable or you might be in food and beverage, or you might be in turf or you might be in facility management, um, you still saw the other departments and you could maybe in conversations with members understand where they felt that we were lacking in what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And there was a common thread that came out of all of those conversations that I had with people. Mm -hmm. And that was an area that I knew then that I could attack pretty quickly and be able to uh, have a have an impact, a pretty dramatic impact with the members, with their satisfactions level at the club, with getting the team on board, with doing that. But I also knew that I had the team on board already because they were telling me that was an area we needed to be better at. And it was also important for me to be able to show them that... um, um, uh, I wanted to make a difference. Right. And um, so when we started to improve this one specific area of the club, they could see that I was serious about the fact that I wanted to, you know, wanted to see us, um, you know, enhance the services that we provided for the members. The next question that I asked was how uh, I could help you and what we could do to help you do your job better. Right. And that could be specific to if I had the software or if I had a new laptop or, uh, you know, if you changed the lights in my office. Um or, you know, can I get a new desk? Can I get a stand-up desk as opposed to a sit-down? Can I get a new chair? So it could be something sort of physical that we could do differently to help them do their job better. Um, but it also might be the people that they were working with as well. So in some cases, it was just that. Like I just, some of the people I work with, I really don't enjoy working with. Is there a way that I could work with somebody different? So it gave me an opportunity to talk with other members of the team to see if there were changes that we could make in the position that this person had to where they could be somewhere else because they're really a valuable person and they fit the culture of the club, um, but they weren't happy in the position where they were. They wanted to work with somebody else. And we were able to do that in a couple of cases where we were able to move these people. You know, that sounds to me like a question where it's be careful what you ask for, because you might say, hey, you know, what could we do to help you do your job better? And they might come back, go, how about another two weeks off every year? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. And, and what are you going to do? I mean, it's, it's not like you've promised you're going to act on the answer that they give you, but... Um, I guess there are just going to be some things you're like, well, you know, yeah. And I wish I had a Mercedes Benz in the driveway too. Yeah. I wish I had a Mercedes too, but I can't have one. And Mm -hmm. you know, to your, the example that you gave with, I wish I had two more weeks off. I've had situations where in conversations like this with people, um, um, at the, at, you know, who we were working with and said, what is important? And they said, spending more time with my family and recognizing that their position was one where they could probably spend more time with their family. That right. they may, maybe they could do the job remotely or that we could take them from four to eight weeks holidays, as long as the holidays were, 
um, you know, uh, in two week increments. They couldn't go away for two months. And we we've done that with people where that's what we that's what they asked for, and that's what we gave them. And what we did was instead of a two percent increase next year, they just got an extra week. And we did that three times, and the next you know they had three more weeks holidays. We weren't paying them any more money. Right. They were taking more holidays, but that and for them that was really really valuable for them to be able to have that. So I think that's something that you can certainly do with people, you know, is when you, when you find that out. And yes, yeah, some stuff's not going to be possible, but at least you're asking and you're understanding what's important to them, even though you may not be able to fulfill that uh, want that they have. At least you understand what's important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing that we ask them, which is something that we talk a lot about. Um, sorry, the second to last thing we ask them is what's the one thing could we do that the members would appreciate? What are you hearing that you think would be important to them? And you can stipulate with that question that, and it can't cost us any money. Right. You know, yeah. right. Um, so what, what's the one small service that we could provide that we've already got the staff in place, but, but they could do something a little different that the members might like. And it's interesting how somebody in, again, accounts payable will hear what someone is saying about food and beverage or that somebody's in facilities is hearing what someone might be saying about the golf course in golf services or what somebody in golf services is hearing about athletics. Right. And it can just be that, you know, if we open the, the, if we open the gym at six, at five forty five instead of five, 30 or instead of six o'clock, that would make a huge difference for them. So we're just, we're changing some shift hours so that we're getting open earlier, which was important to somebody who was, had to be at work at seven 30. Um, it didn't cost us any money because we just shifted the hours that somebody was working, but it made a big difference to the members. And that came from golf services, not from athletics. Right. That's an interesting question to me too, because it, it, it gives your, uh, that manager, that staff member, an opportunity to showcase their creativity. Like if you ask that question, what's something that we could do for our members, and you get an answer like, boy, you know, I was at this club on holidays one time. I played golf at this place and they, they uh, valley park and wash the members cars. And I always thought that'd be really easy for us to do on a long weekend or something. You might get some pretty interesting uh, insight from your, from your staff members there. Absolutely. And a lot of the stuff that they might provide for you is, um, you know, cost neutral. Because you may charge the member for the, uh, the the washing of the car in the parking lot, and that covers the cost of the staff member that's coming in. So it's, it's not a revenue generator for you, but it's not a cost either. Right. Um, and then the last thing we asked them, the fifth question that I asked was, you know, and we've talked about this in, in numerous previous podcasts, was what is your passion? Mm-hmm. If you won the lottery tomorrow, what is it you would do? And that's always an interesting um, question I like because it, it generates a great conversation. And off, often you can ask that question at the beginning. Um, because then you're hearing about what this person, you see them elevate themselves out of the chair when they're talking about what that passion is. Um, but it's also really important. And I've said this before is that if you, uh, keep track of what those people's passions are and you've got a chance to be able to reward them or just thank them, or you just want to do something nice for them. And you can do that related to their passion. Um, it just has such a huge impact for, um, that culture that you've created at the club about caring and how you feel about your staff. And, and the fact is that, um, you're not just paying lip service to the fact that they're important. You're actually showing that how important they are to the club. Right. And one of the things that we came out of, came out of this with was, um, I think it's called a a cloud. uh, like a word cloud. You're a word cloud. Yeah, yeah, I was asking you about what this is called, but and and we've we created this world cl- word cloud and we posted it all around the club uh, for the staff to see. And we came up with things when we asked them what was important with them about the club and what they loved about the club was that it was family focused and we cared and it was safe and supportive and we we appreciated their families and the location and how unpretentious the club was and professional growth and diversity and seeing people having fun and appreciation. And this is something that we post on the 
um, employment side of our website. Yep. So new staff are coming in. They have to, so this is something that they see. And we'll talk about this during the interview process to say, you know, this is what's important to us. Or we might ask them what's important to them um, in a place where they work. And it needs to be uh, in alignment with what's in, what, what's important to our current team. And we know that they'll fit in with the team. Right. And and to bring it all home, Jim, this this kind of goes back to that. Uh, oh, crap moment. Yeah. At, yeah. The, at the club where, you know, your president and your executive board took you aside and said, hey, you didn't really take a minute to get to know the people that are going to be working with you. Um, so, you know, w- w- kind of explain to me the difference for you between, you know, you as a manager not having done that. And then you as a manager, now this is how you start at new clubs. Yeah. So when I, when I didn't do it, I was coming out of my second club and thought that I knew everything about a, being a GM of a club. Right. Right. And I thought I knew what a receptionist did and what the controller did and what the membership person did and exactly what the chef's responsibility was or the person who did looked after our facilities because I'd already done, it. I'd already seen everybody, all those positions in previous clubs. But every club has different nuances and everybody does something a little bit differently and may have different responsibilities because it's something that they like to do. Um, and unless you sit down and ask them that, you don't know that. Right. So you're running around a lot. And I found that out um, was that I'd run around at the club and go, well, who does this? And, and so if I need this done, who do I go to to get this done? And I'm sure I was annoying the hell out of people by asking them that. But when I sat down with when everybody, I said, so tell me if I need this done, who's the person I should go to? They said, oh, you see Mary for that. Okay. If you want to get that done, Joe does that for you. So instead of a annoying Mary or annoying Joe or Joe or annoying the, the, the you know, in, in our case, it was our, our EA who is just sort of a jack of all trades and she's absolutely brilliant. Um, I could now just find out, I, I knew ahead of time who those people were and I could just go to them. And what is interesting with that is that if somebody at the club is really good at say wordsmithing, they're your wordsmith at the club. And you go to somebody else. Right. Um, and they're going, well, I, I thought I always did the wordsmithing at the club. <laughs> yeah. Why are they going to this person? Because I assumed that that position would do the wordsmithing at the club. But that the person who used to do it was an ex-English teacher. And they really liked it and they were really good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the kinds of things you can find out by um, sitting down and talking to your team. So not only is it about, you know, the five questions we ask, it's also about the job specifics so that you know who you need to talk to to get things done. Yeah, very well put, Jim. Thanks so much uh, for that insight. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Engaged Club podcast. If you like it, please share it with your friends inside the club business. And we'll talk to you on the next episode. Until then, thanks for listening. This has been the Engaged Club podcast with Jim Hope and Roger Kincaid. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. If you like what you heard, share it with your fellow club managers and operators. Until next time, thanks for listening.